Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Hello, Texas fans. This is a Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, October 31st. It is Halloween. Mike, you excited? <laughs> we're two days away from an off weekend because Texas is on a bye this week, but we're also exactly 32 years removed from the time that John Hagee scored in a 33-yard punt return against Texas Tech. That is the shortest punt return touchdown in school history, and Texas would kill for a 33-yard punt return at this, time, at this moment. <laughs> I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mike Craven, the ghost that you just heard a couple of minutes ago. Uh, Mike, say hello. Hello, everybody. All right, Mike. Let's just get right to the news. It's panic time in Texas. Guys falling. Last week, uh, pretty much right, right after we uh, recorded our podcast, you went home and had to go write about Princely defensive lineman, Princely, Princely Maynard defensive lineman, Princely Umanmulen decommitting. A couple days later, Aldi MacArthur defensive back Joshua Eaton decommitted from Texas. Is the sky falling? Or should Texas fans be freaking out right now? No. Yeah, this is. You got to remember Tom Herman's first class. They were seven and six. They had a big year last year at ten and four. And a lot of these guys are committed to the University of Texas and this coaching staff as as much as they are the wins loss records. You know, players. I think we've talked about this before, but players understand losses and how they happen. I think more than fans do. They can. They can see the injuries and the different stuff going on and kind of understand uh, what's happening behind the scenes there and the difficulties they're having winning. So uh, guys like Princely and Josh were talking about decommitting, and there was rumors out there. Of, I think we talked about Josh a few weeks mm-hmm. ago um, possibly decommitting. So those were more scheme fits and guys who were still looking elsewhere more than – I think even if Texas had beat Oklahoma and TCU, Princely and Josh are, are decommitted from Texas. So I, I – as long as there's nobody else that kind of falls off the wagon, I, I believe it's going to be going to be okay. Yes, yeah, so he would say that these two commits are more, you know, these kids kind of looking at their future, kind of looking at what the Texas defense, you know, has scheme wise, mm-hmm. and saying this may just not be the best fit for me. Yeah, I, for Princely, it's a position thing. He wants to play a defensive end in a four man front, and for Josh, I think he's worried about playing nickel or safety, and he really wants to play cornerback, and uh, you know. These are job decisions, family life decisions for these kids. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. And you just have to, you know, as fans, I mean, I'm including myself here. You just have to take a step back and realize that these are teenagers trying to do the best thing for themselves. And that may not be the university that you root for sometimes. We're about six weeks out or so until the early signing day. Is that about right? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that... um, I wouldn't expect a ton of decommitments otherwise. I talked to Xavier Offord, and we'll have that interview later. You know, he's like, he, he mentioned it. He's 50 days from moving in. He's already kind of started planning stuff at this point, you know, for this early signing period and, and for the growing number of kids that enroll early. It's not just quarterbacks anymore. You need to have this decision done early because you got to start planning. And the idea of taking visits and then moving that all around, I mean, that's just, that's too much for these kids, I think. 
One thing that kind of popped to my mind with this, uh, with these two recent decommitments, is obviously Texas has struggled a little bit recently. Um, there's no sugarcoating the TCU loss. Um, our Monday podcast with the guys, they talked a lot about Todd Orlando's future, and you know maybe that's just kind of freaking out over over nothing. Tom Herman seems to be a pretty loyal guy, but this coaching staff has also this entire coaching staff has been together for three years, and. You know, changes may just happen just because that's what happens in the offseason, not saying Todd Orlando or any specific position coach. Right. But with these struggles and with, you know, the possibility of change happening, <laughs> change happening, excuse me, is that a recruiting tool against Texas? Do you think um, other coaches will be in these recruits' ears being like, you know, Texas is kind of struggling. I don't know if Todd's going to be there in a while. Or are these kids committing to the school and maybe not specifically to a coach or position coach? You know, ideally, the kids are committing to a school but that you know I'd be lying if I didn't say coaching staffs were a huge part of it and your position coach may be the most important outside of coach Herman you know Mm -hmm. next is probably your position coach so yeah if you're on the defensive side of the ball if Todd Orlando goes now you got to worry about you know Jason Washington goes if Craig Navarre goes on their own or you know by choice or um, and so what will happen is none of this will happen until after the early signing period. Absolutely that. And so you can get all these kids signed on and then they bounce. And we've seen that, you know, that happened at A&M last year with Terry Price at defensive line and stuff like that. So, you know, that's just kind of a, a cruel secret or a, not even a secret, really. Just as soon as National Signing Day is done, you know, there's a mass exodus. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't think Texas makes a move before Christmas, and so it's hard to imagine it really impacting this class all that much. You know, do you think you know, we had talked previously about someone like an Alfred Collins, who I think you you said you'd learned he's going to sign. You know, he's going to announce where he was going at one of the All Star games, mm-hmm. but maybe secretly sign on signing day. Do you think he would hold off on secretly signing until all the coaching stuff got um, ironed out, and he knew for sure that his coaches were going to be here? Uh, at least for next season. So the issue, the issue with this early signing period is put kids in a bind to where they have to pull the trigger between that three-day period. Mm-hmm. This year, it's the 18th through the 20th, I believe, or the 17th through the 19th, and or they have to wait until February. And that's even if you announce at the All-Star Game in January. So what happens is they sign those national letters and tents. The the schools just never put it out there that they did, and then it's announced at the All-Star Game. If you're if you're someone like Alfred who is really waiting until the very end, yeah, if he doesn't know where he wants to go and there's stuff up in the air, he's the type of kid that I think will wait. Um, but I also think Texas is is in the lead for a lot more reasons than just Todd Orlando. I mean, he's, yeah. he's from 30 minutes from here. His mom played basketball from here. So that may be a more overlying factor than anything. And I personally don't think Todd Orlando gets fired for playing, you know, 20 kids that are – can't drink on defense it's just it's hard to me it's hard to imagine tom herman holds that against him when that happened to tim beck and tom herman when they first got here on offense and so you just have to ride those waves yeah and there's a reason why tom herman gave todd 1.7 million yeah, he's really good he's ago. really good he's a good coach he does, and so you know you know just because you kind of have a rough stretch with injuries and stuff like that doesn't mean you need to as Tom Herman said the other day with when talking about Keontae Ingram and the running back situation, you don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yes, and, that's yes. Yeah, and who who else is gonna be better to, to come in? That's also something you have to factor into. And you gotta you gotta ask yourself who what defensive coordinator comes in here and turns a two deep around with guys that aren't even supposed to be suiting out this year into one of the best defenses in the Big Twelve is like it's just not gonna happen. 
this season, no matter who's coaching it for whatever reason. So it's it's something that needs to be taken in, into account in the offseason, whether that's a coaching change or a scheme change or, or anything like that. All right, let's go around the 40 acres, uh, talk about some of the things you wrote about this week in your Tuesday dotted line column on hook'em.com. You introduced us to Lamar Consolidated Athlete Tay McWilliams, three-star Baylor commit. Uh, Texas is kind of you know poking around, kind of yeah. trying to introduce himself to this young gentleman. Uh, you didn't seem, seem overly optimistic. Seems like Tay is kind of uh, you know is kind of really into this Baylor thing right now. Do you think there's a chance that uh, he, he gets flipped, or is he going to stay true to that commitment? You know, usually you hear Baylor commit gets a Texas offer, and it's automatically like, okay, well he, he he's on flip alert. You know, but Baylor's rolling right now and has a really good thing going. Texas, like we've just talked about has a, a lot of question marks. And with Tay, he plays running back at Lamar Consolidated. Baylor wants to give him a chance to play running back. Texas wants him at linebacker. And so, again, some of that comes down to where you want to play for the next four years, not even just which campus, but what position and in what program you see yourself. I would think he comes uh, to a home game, maybe Kansas State uh, or something like that. And uh, Texas does have a chance, but he seemed really high on Baylor and his cousins, Jalen Ellis, who – we're familiar with because he's from Round Rock and he's now on on Baylor's team. So I think Baylor is uh, is the favorite to hold on to him. Maybe they can do a couple weeks when he goes to do when Texas heads up there. He can do the coin toss and they can play for his uh, right there love and affection. That'll be the, that'll be the prize for the win. Um, uh, Wednesday you talked about look back. You looked over this past decade at kind of the top recruits in each year's recruiting class at Texas. What were some of the recruiting classes that stood out to you? Was there a um, a, a year that you were just kind of like, whoa? 2014. I forgot how not bad the class was, but how bad it turned out. Like, let's listen to the top five players rated in the 2014 class. Derek Roberson, that was number one. He was the top rated player in the class. Gerard Hurd at number two. Amonte Foreman, the wrong Foreman there, Ugh. at number three. Edwin Freeman. And then Lorenzo Joe. Those were the top five rated players in the 2014 class. Now, they did hit on some guys who were lower rated in that class, but. Obviously, Deontay. You need <laughs> to. Right. Yeah, like Deontay. But you need. I mean, you start looking at that and you can see why Charlie Strong's era didn't work out that well. You know, there, there's guys that are heavily recruited by a lot of teams that you look back on now and you're like, I never even. You know, they never really made a, a dent. And uh, you just can't play well if your top recruits aren't playing well. You're not going to hit on every single one just like the NFL draft, but you need those top five guys to be at least solid football players. Yeah, I believe two of those. Edwin finished um, at Florida International, I believe, and um, Derek went to Sam Houston State. Uh, so, you know, those guys didn't even all finish their careers right. in Texas either. So, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, maybe – they lasted a little bit longer than Brew McCoy did, as you mentioned in your, uh, you know, you're calling the 2019 class. Which, you know, your your opinion does Brew McCoy count? Is he is he is he a Texas? A no, side? I I don't. But like when you're looking at, and I have to use the 24 cent stuff just because you have to use something as a reference. And they have Brew McCoy as part of that class, and he's one of the reasons that it's ranked third in the nation. So if we're going to use the third in the nation tag, then we have to include Brew McCoy in there because without Brew McCoy. It's not as ranked as high. So you can't, can't really have both of it. Texas wants to say they signed two consecutive top three classes. And the nation, Brew McCoy, is a reason that that got ranked so high. So mm-hmm. I just had to include him on the list since he technically did sign with Texas. 
All right. Uh, we talked about him a couple minutes ago, but Xavier and Alfred, you had a chance to see him play, talk with him, or he was he was injured. I guess you didn't get to see, yeah, see, get a chance to see him play, but you got a chance injury. to chat with him this past weekend. Uh, Four star safety from Alvin Shadow Creek. So let's uh, tune in, listen to what you he had to say to you after the game. So here with Xavier Alford of Shadow Creek. I guess first, uh, give the fans an update on your knee and just how things are going with you. Uh, everything's getting better. I mean, it's been like two months since I had my surgery and everything, but uh, just a little cleanup, just a little minor setback. But I've been rehabbing, getting stronger, faster every day, everything. So I'll be back soon. How hard is it, especially as a senior, to kind of sit on the sidelines and watch your guys play and want to be out there? Uh, of course, it's hard. I want to be out there, but I mean, everything's happen. Everything happens for a reason. I mean, yes. Uh, Another chance for guys to get out here and try to go play on the next level. I mean, I'm going to Texas. I'm going to sign pretty soon. So, I mean, just to be out here coaching these guys uh, for these last couple last couple days, I mean, it would be good. I mean, clearly uh, the Texas secondary has struggled this year with injuries and stuff. Kind of as a prospect, does that make you more excited to go because those are opportunities? Or do, how do you kind of look at that? I mean, though? I mean, those guys going to be my teammates one day. So, I mean, it don't make me more excited, but I mean, uh, I'm just coming into Texas uh, to help, really, looking to help. I see uh, secondary is a place they need help in. So, I mean, the guys are injured when I'm there. They're injured. I'm going to step in and do my job. But I'm just ready to get up to Texas and uh, get in the playbook, learn everything, help them contribute, try to bring a national championship. You're a versatile guy that can play a lot of places. Have they kind of pinpointed where they're going to start you at, or is that kind of to be seen? Uh, field safety, where Brandon Jones is. I kind of play here. That's what I play here. I'm real good at space. I mean, you got to be a smart, quick guy. Uh, ball hog there too. They want guys to get the ball back. So I mean, feel safety is where I'm gonna play. Um, have you taken your official yet? Yeah, I took it. Uh, Oklahoma State game. Oklahoma State week. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you plan to be back down there for any other games this season? Yeah, I, any home game. I mean, if I want to go down, I'll be down. But uh, I know they play TCU this week. They got a bye this week. But probably when they play Kansas State, I'll probably be up there again. I'll probably be up there uh, on the bye week, maybe. So. Um, I know that uh, you know you. You obviously were recruited by a lot of schools. Are you still hearing from a lot of schools? Uh, yeah, but I kind of cut all ties. I mean, the, that's why I just posted what I posted today. I mean, kind of been some rumors and stuff going around saying I'm not solid to Texas, but I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm Texas long for. How hard is that, right? Kind of. I mean, like, I just don't text back. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not really hard. Yeah, just don't text back at all. I mean, afterwards, <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. really don't text back. I mean, I'm 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 Texas long hard. This why I got like. 50 days or something until I move here. So. What made Texas kind of like the end-all be like to where you can feel confident saying that? Uh, I mean, this is, just, this is Texas. I mean, growing up playing football in Texas, who doesn't want to uh, grow up being a Texas Longhorn? I even got a picture of me when I was like eight years old throwing up hooking like that, and I said I was going to be a, a Longhorn one day. So, I mean, it's just that Texas pride, being from Texas, being a Texas guy, and going to play for Texas uh, now. It's just good, but I mean, I, I love the program. Coaches were consistent throughout my whole recruitment. Uh, I kind of wait, wait. It took me a long time to commit, but I mean, it used to be times I didn't text them back or anything, didn't talk to them or anything, but they stayed consistent and stayed on me. So I appreciate that. It, it really shows how much they really uh, need me and want me. What was it about Coach Niver that really grabbed you? Oh, uh, he can relate. Uh, he can relate to me. I mean, out of all the coaches, really, I mean, I felt most comfortable with him. I feel like we could sit down and just. I can sit down one day at the house and just we can just not talk about football. If football wasn't invented, I'd still that'd be, still be a person I'd be cool with. He's uh, a mentor to me. Uh, I mean, he's a great coach. Uh, he knows how to coach, smart. Not really. I mean, he gets fired up and stuff, but he knows how how to talk to guys and just coach for me. Because some people don't want to hear all that screaming, but he's a good coach. 
Uh, last question for me, kind of what advice would you give to younger guys in your position now that you've kind of gone through this process? Uh, I, the thing I would say about recruiting is to wait. Really, just wait. It's just one word, just wait. Just be patient. I mean, you know how to rush. Hurry up to the school. I know everybody's like, oh, when it feels like home, just do it, commit. But just wait. I mean, it's been multiple times. It's been multiple times where I went to schools and I feel like I wanted to commit, but me and my parents and um, everybody in my circle just told me to wait. Really, a lot of things shook up. Schools I wanted to go to I showed me why I shouldn't go and everything. And then, I mean, here I am now. It takes a long time. Mike, uh, Xavier seems pretty set in his commitment. Uh, he reiterated that you know his plans on being in Texas Longhorn. Considering the news of this past week, how big was it for him, someone like Logan Parr, who went to Twitter to you know reiterate his plans to come to Texas? How big is it right now for the guys like that to be like, we're Texas true, we're going to be Longhorns, quit asking, yeah. we'll be in Burn Orange next year? <clears throat> yeah, I think it's really important. It's really important not only for the rest of the 2020 class, but for those 2021 and 2022 kids that know who these guys are and are kind of like hoping to be, you know, the top 20, 30 players in the state come their senior year, you know, they see them sticking with Texas. And so it kind of keeps uh, the momentum going for the high school guys. And you got to remember, you know, by the time these 2020, 2021 guys are going to be playing on this football team, Sam's probably going to be gone. You know, it's going to be a whole nother football team. So they're not considerably worried about what's happening right now, but it definitely helps, I believe, kind of keep the next couple of classes momentum going. And then, of course, uh, for the fans, it helps to see. And then there's a selfish reason behind it, and that's to keep guys like me from texting them all the time and going, hey, man, I know, I, I know what the answer is to this, but I have to ask you anyway. You know? And so I sent about 38 of those text messages on, on Sunday after the TCU loss. So I think it's one of those where you can just announce it to the world and everybody can put that in a story and they don't have to tell one of me five times. Yeah, I'd imagine uh, nothing against you, but I'd imagine these young men enjoy having the young ladies hitting up their phones, not uh, right. not you recruiting. Writers. And as college coaches too, some of that mm-hmm. is to put out for other college staff so they don't, you know, stop, you know, texting them and calling them and talking to their high school coaches and stuff like that. So, yeah, some of it's kind of a bat signal to everybody else to hey, you know, just kind of leave me alone. I'm a senior. I'm just enjoying this, and I'm going to sign in college. Uh, you know, when he gets here um, in this, this upcoming year, Brandon Jones will no longer be here. But could Xavier can he compete for that safety spot as a as a freshman? I think so. The way we've seen Texas uh, those last couple of years, they play who they think is the best, and Xavier Alford has a lot of Caden Stearns in him in terms of maturity and just his ability to play. And he's just when you talk to him, it feels like you're talking to a junior or senior in college, not a junior or senior in high school so with him enrolling early with him kind of already playing a similar position and a similar scheme in high school with Brandon Jones being gone and quite frankly with the safety position not looking fantastic and some young guys not really stepping up with their opportunities right now I think he has as good a shot as as anybody on campus to to be a starter or at least in the two deep uh, going into the first game next year we've seen it the past couple years with guys like Caden Stearns B.J. Foster how big is it for some of these incoming freshmen to enroll early like Xavier plans to do and go through spring ball and get acclimated to school and kind of the Texas, you know, what the Texas culture is? It's huge. Uh, I mean, I think the perfect example is Jake Smith. You know, mm-hmm. Jake Smith is incredibly talented, and he's caught five touchdown passes this year, and it's obvious Texas wants to use him, but he didn't get here till July, and so there's just not the package you can give him. 
and you know th- your body's not ready for it yet you were you were still going through a high, you're working out they send you a weight program you know your last semester of your senior year but it's different than working with Yancey McKnight yeah. and a bunch of other dudes that are 21 22 every day and so I just by the time that first padded practice rolls around in August if you've been here since January you're already kind of a sophomore whereas if you get here in July I mean, you're still trying to figure out how to get to class and where your dorm is. I mean, there's just so many little things we don't think about uh, for true freshmen that makes it tough for them to contribute right away. It is time for our recruiting spotlight. Every week we introduce you to a future Longhorn who won't be playing football at Texas. This week we're going to shine a spotlight on future Texas softball player Riley White. Uh, Riley is a pitcher out of New Jersey's Immaculate Heart Academy. Fun fact, she plays her club's club softball for a team in California. So she's she's wow. going coast to coast when it comes to softball. Flyer miles. Uh, this past spring, Mike, listen to these stats. Riley was 20-2 and two with a 0.62 ERA, over 136 innings. She struck out 277 batters while allowing 34 hits and 27 walks. She Wait. also hit nine home runs and 83 at-bats, so she can swing it too. I asked Immaculate Heart coach Diana Fasano to describe Riley in one word. Coach Fasano chose two words, driven and motivated. Why? Quote, Riley is one of the hardest workers I have ever coached. Her dedication to her training, especially in the offseason, is incredible. Every year she has come back for our spring spring season, she has shown to have improved tremendously because of her self-motivated work ethic in the offseason, including hitting, pitching, strength, and conditioning. She truly knows what it takes to compete at the collegiate level and is driven to improve her game every day with each and every rep in order to excel at the level she does, unquote. Uh, Riley was going to wear orange in college no matter where she went, but she was actually originally committed to Tennessee. Ooh, a little softball flip. Yeah, she uh, flipped uh, to Texas this past uh, September. In a couple weeks, she'll join a seven-player recruiting class, and I'm sure the Longhorns will be very excited to have her on campus in a couple couple, uh, couple months. And actually, when she gets here, we'll have a debate. Which, uh, which White does uh, Texas fans root for more? Uh, Coach White, Mike White, the, uh, the, he- the head coach of the team, or Riley, who will be the star pitcher. So... You can uh, choose your white, I guess. <coughs> 136 innings of pitching and 61 batters reach base. That's not not bad. I mean, that's that's crazy. Good luck. Uh, good luck to the future uh, Big 12 um, bats that have to face young Riley. It's gonna get boring. It, it, well, winning winning's winning's always exciting. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess when you're the one dominating, but imagine playing center field for that team. I mean, you're just yeah, like chilling. T- Teammates, you know, they're you know, it's gonna be like the typical, you know, five year olds in the outfield yeah. picking dandelions right. or whatever. You don't even need an outfield. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, kind of head 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 home. Um, Mike, where are you gonna be going this weekend? Obviously, Texas is off, so you don't have to uh, work on Saturday. But uh, what are your plans? Are you gonna who are you gonna see? So Thursday, I'm taking the rare Thursday off. Not a bunch of Halloween games. I looked, yeah. not really anything uh, to go to. I mean, I could go to a game just to go to one, but nothing that would provide me with any content. So I'm going to take Thursday off. And then Friday, I will be in Dallas for one I'm excited for. Lancaster versus Highland Park. Texas commit Prince Dorba in action. Chandler Morris, commitment to Arkansas. Uh, Chad Morris's son is quarterback at Highland Park. Lancaster's one of the most athletic teams every year in the state. So pretty pumped for that top 10 matchup there in 5A. Um, speaking of Halloween, what are your plans? Um, I've, I've, I've seem to recall you have a kind of spicy take about uh, no, adults, not, dress, adults dressing up for Halloween. It's not the dressing up. It's what you do on Halloween. Adults should be home handing out candy to children. This is a holiday for children. It is not 
to party. It's not to like find lingerie that you can like consider a Halloween outfit and then go out. Like we have, we're adults. We have 365 days out of the year to party. You can take one off and just give out some Snickers to a seven year old in a Star Wars outfit. Like it's not, it's not that hard. What you're saying is you're not going as a sexy sports writer this, no, uh, this weekend? No, I go that. Uh, that's 364 days out of the year. For one day, I can go as just a blog guy giving out some Snickers. And one of my life goals is to be one of those people that can give out full-size candy bars. Like, I will have made it when I can be the dude on the block that's like, hey, man, Mr. Craven gives out the full-size Snickers. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's when I've made it. That's get when there, I know get it's there, up. Get there early. What is, uh, what is your favorite Halloween candy? Reese's. Reese's. Cups. Thing. Yeah, that'd probably be it. I go, I go for the candy corn. I guess, I guess that's oh. not really a Halloween candy because you don't really give that. Give You're that a candy out, corn guy. Oh, so much. You're candy such corn a guy. Yankee dude. I think today. I think today. Are Montanans Yankees? We're we're not. We're Montanans. I think today is actually National Candy Corn Day as we record this on a Wednesday. Um, let's go to our mailbag. Um, as always, if you have a question for us, uh, hit us up on Twitter. I'm a a s Danny. Mike is at Craven Mike. Uh, Instagram at BevoBeat, Facebook at BevoBeat. You can ask us questions there too. Uh, Ann Sandoval asks on Facebook, why do why does Texas play teams in pre-conference play that gets the team banged up so that they lose their starters for you know, regular season games that actually count? The playoff season does not care who you play preseason. Alabama and OU and others do not go out and do that. So why does Texas? Uh, one for money. Uh, those that LSU game is probably the biggest draw Texas had all year. You get uh, you get game day in town. You know the crowd's sold out. Everybody's excited. People on Bevo Boulevard. That that's the kind of stuff um, that really helps uh, the academic. You know, like on the other side of things, like it raises money. And then two, it's recruiting. Um, those are the kind of games that kids want to watch play. And uh, I do agree with this somewhat in the way that the other teams schedule maybe texas is putting themselves at a disadvantage but i agree with tom herman that this type of schedule is what should be standard across college football yeah and you know as texas fans are complaining about it now because you know you you lose that lsu game and you get banged up but texas fans aren't going to be complaining next year when they get to go to lsu and they get to make that trip to baton rouge and they got to go to dc last year and la the year before and they get to go on these cool trips i mean that's you know, from an athletic department um, aspect, and you know, Crystal Conti's job is to give those fans who they are charging a lot of money to mm-hmm. for season tickets, fun games, and exciting stuff for them to go see. So, I mean, that's that's part of it. And yeah, you know, you may get a little bit more banged up against LSU, but if you're if you had Baylor's non-conference schedule and you were playing Rice and UTSA and the local high school down the road. Texas fans would not be nearly as excited and those uh, early season draws would not be nearly what they were this year. So, I mean, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of everything. And I also take, um, disagree with Ann's you know, assertion that it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter to Alabama because they're Alabama right. and their non-conference schedule. They can, you know, get away with that because they play at the SEC. But Texas needs to have a marquee win or a marquee game on their non-conference because that will be looked at at the end of the end of the road if they were fighting for a playoff spot with a you know an SEC team or um, something like that. I mean, yeah, that, and say that stuff o- does matter. Oklahoma's down one year. I mean, you make these schedules so far in advance, you don't know what's going on. It's not like, you know, in July, Del Conte called up LSU and set up this game. And so, you know, you don't know LSU's all, all of a sudden going to have their best offense in history, and you don't know uh, your team's going to get injured a bunch. But you, you, got, you got guys who got injured against Kansas. 
You know, so I mean, like, just this is football, dude. Yeah. Like, this is just what it is. And mistake me if I'm wrong. I, doesn't Texas have Alabama on their later schedule? So well, I mean, few, it seems like years, yeah. it seems like Alabama. I mean, I think most schools want to get some of these big games going, and I, I think it's good for college football. Um, Forrest Smith asks on Facebook, "Why is Texas's offense so predictable? They can't block. Uh, when you cannot block." You cannot do much creative, right? You can't really run the ball creatively. You can't pass the ball creatively because you do not have enough time to do either. Simple enough. Let's go over to Instagram. DW Minier sixty four, one of our um, best Instagram followers, asked that the volleyball team can win a national title, and I say yes. I say this with a warning. Last time I was asked this question, they lost to Rice that night, so <laughs> don't hold that against me if something happens this weekend against uh, West Virginia on Sunday afternoon. But this Texas team looked incredible in that Baylor match um, last week. Um, sweep of the number one team in the nation, and it wasn't close. Baylor was competitive for maybe the first five, ten points of that first set, and Texas has dominated. And In that second set, they went, they won 25-10, and Micaiah White, who is their best player and one of the best players in the nation, didn't have a kill. So if they are rolling like that and they're getting contributions from these freshmen and a sophomore like Logan Eggleston, who is still only 19, and the people are just growing up that quickly and have a veteran like Micaiah and some of their defensive specialists, this team is going to be a tough out. Granted, the NCAA tournament is going to be a different beast than Big 12 players. I mean, Texas is going to be challenged once the rest of the year, and that'll be when they go to Waco in November, but um, and when you get to the NCAA tournament, you're facing you know teams back-to-back over the weekend and some good teams from the Big, the Big Ten and around, but this Texas team has the talent. It's going to be a matter of if they can just avoid any slip-ups, and if they can get one of those top four seeds, they're going to not have to leave Gregory until the final four in Pittsburgh, and I think that will be a key because the last couple of years when they've slipped up, they've slipped up because they had to go to Stanford and they had to go to BYU last year. So I think this Texas team, if they can get that top four seed uh, secure the first two weekends in Gregory Gym, I think they are going to be heading to the final four. And that's the nice part about a young team is when it does come together and it grows, like by the end of the year, it's not really a young team anymore. And so... Uh, yeah, watching them just, you know, you go and you get upset by Rice and then you turn around and you can you can play this game and that's a pretty talented pretty talented volleyball squad. Yeah, they dropped one set to that uh since they that lost to Rice. Um yeah, our last question, Chris Bennett asked on Twitter, uh, what is your favorite Mario game? Uh, Mario Kart is my favorite Mario game. I have to put a disclaimer here. I don't think I had a video game system until I was fourteen years old. And wow. so I mean, friends' houses and stuff like that. So I'll go with uh, Mario Kart, I suppose. I got my first Nintendo system when I was six. I had broke my arm while at a friend's house, and so they gave me a Nintendo. I think it was bribery money to right, not to get keep, sued. My, keep my parents from suing. But uh, so I've been you know playing Mario since I was about six. Um, I, I loved all the Mario games. Um, obviously, you know the most recent uh, Mario they had for the Wii I've really enjoyed. I haven't gotten really that much into the new Mario Karts for your phone and stuff like that. So Yeah, I don't. Yeah, give me like the old, kind of the old Wii version Mario Kart, uh, um, the Mario games. I, I liked Mario Party 2. That was fun. But the Super Smash Brothers count? Is Super that Smash Mario? Brothers, you know, you had some I love that game. In 64, you could have some good yeah. long nights with yeah, that. that was, I love that game. I don't know if that counts as Mario Brothers, but I just play FIFA. Yeah. Like, I play a lot of video games, but they're just, they're just not Mario, I guess. Maybe we'll get like Mario Soccer. We can there we see, go. See if Nintendo be wants Bowser to be a great goalie. See if Nintendo wants to put that together, and make some money. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. 
We appreciate it. We thank you for tuning in this week and every week. Uh, the Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Enjoy your bye week and we will see you later. Happy Halloween.